I'm psychologist Professor Richard Wiseman. And I'm science journalist Marnie Chesterton. And welcome to Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind. And we're on a mission, a mission to answer a thousand questions about the human mind. Can I ask a couple? Go for it. You mentioned the mind. A thousand questions about what exactly? Well, how we think, how we feel, how we behave. We're going to be talking about the psychology behind happiness, memory, dreams, even magic. And why am I here? Because we need someone to keep us on track. And also, if I just sit here and talk to myself, it's like a normal Saturday night. And no one needs that level of tragedy in a podcast. But I'm delighted to be here with you. You are the UK's only professor of the public understanding of psychology. You've surveyed 350,000 people to find the world's funniest joke, spent 10 years studying luck, and tracked 26,000 people to see what makes them happy. You're too kind. And a thousand questions means a thousand answers. Questions from the public, from you, from me, sometimes big questions. Like what's the relationship between the mind and the brain? Sometimes small questions like what is your favourite cheese? Cheddar. Good answer. That's one down, but we've got loads more to do. In this episode, we're going to be looking at the psychology of sleep. We're going to be talking about some top tips on how to get a better night's sleep. Reveal the formula for a perfect nap. Explore what actually happens in your head when you fall asleep. And prove why you shouldn't shop online in the middle of the night. Isn't that right, Richard? Thank you. Uh, so, on that uh, bombshell, let's get on with the show. Oh, I love sleep. One of my favourite things. Are you a good sleeper? I'm an excellent sleeper. Can you sleep anywhere? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, you? I can sleep anywhere. My superpower is I can sleep on trains, planes and automobiles. Nice. Yes. It really annoys other people that can't do that, which is even better. Because you know they're sitting there seething. So not only are you a good sleeper, you're a smug sleeper. Exactly. And that's why you're so useful, because you've had all of your your lovely... There's sort of no need for sarcasm this early on in the day. Whatever hours. Uh, I'll get my own back now. Uh, now, sleeping positions. Yeah. Now, I've, I found a survey oh. on, on what your sleeping position says about you. And first of all, I suspect none of this is true. Okay. And we should take it with a pinch of salt. Uh, however... Uh, you can either be full fetal, which yeah. is laying on your side with your body sort of drawn up uh, around you. Semi-fetal, where you lay on your side, but your knees are only just like slightly up. Royal, which is where you're on your back. Or prone, which is where you're face down on the bed. Which of those best describe how you sleep? Um, it used to be prone. Oh, really? I'd be on my front. Yes. With, but then I'd have to keep my... Hands like that. Yes. Because otherwise, because I, I couldn't audio breathe. Podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I had to keep my hands sort of up by my shoulders, mm. but it's just got a bit uncomfortable. Right. But so, that, okay. Well, that was your preferred position, yeah. though. And that tells us, according to this research, that you're a perfectionist. Ah. There we go. Is that well, true? I mean, I'd like to think I'm a perfectionist. Yes. Let's let's go with that because that good. explains the procrastination. Full fetal. You're anxious, indecisive. And sensitive to criticism. I don't know how they work this out. Semi-fetal, you're well-adjusted um, and unlikely to take extreme stances on positions. That's because everyone's semi-fetal, right? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Uh, and royal, so that's where you are on your back, you're self-confident and sensation-seeking. So there we go. We're minutes in and already we've got an unreliable insight into everyone. The, I mean, that's utter bullshit, right? I wouldn't go that far. No, it's actually based on research. Okay. Yeah, not mine. <laughs> Reliable research? Yeah. So this is fun, but this is Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind, and we've got a 
thousand questions to get through. So yes. should we should we tick another one off? I think we should. What happens when we sleep? An excellent question. So I think sleep is fascinating because you think I, my, my brain, my mind just turns off uh, when I go to sleep and turns back on again when I become uh, awakened. And consciously, you're not aware of anything happening during that time. It turns out your brain is at least as active as when you're conscious during the day. It's doing vitally important work and it's doing it in a very regimented fashion. So almost everyone goes through a series of what are called sleep cycles during the night. Each sleep cycle lasts about 90 minutes. And it starts off with very light sleep where you're drifting away. And you often get quite strange sort of images going through your mind. And some artists have used that for inspiration. Dali used that. So he'd lay on the couch and he'd hold a spoon lightly between his fingers. Fingers and thumb, probably. And he'd have a little plate on the floor. And as he drifts off, you relax your muscles, you drop the spoon, it wakes you up as it hits the plate, and he would draw whatever imagery, weird imagery, was in his mind. That explains the melting clocks. Absolutely, exactly. And all that spoon-based stuff as well. <laughs> a lot of spoons, yeah. Uh, so, so you're in this what's called light sleep. And during that time, the uh, brain's doing all sorts of things, but primarily, and this is a huge simplification, it's all very complicated, primarily sort of psychological well-being stuff. So it's, it's often throwing out information that you don't need to store during uh, the information you picked up during the day. It's consolidating other information, and it's, that's, that's what light sleep is. And you can wake up from light sleep and you'll feel fine. Then you move into deep sleep, so now you're even more relaxed. And you do get um, some sleep issues associated with deep sleep. So, for example, sleepwalking, uh, night terrors, they're all deep sleep because uh, you issues. used to get night terrors. I, I got them most days of the week. Uh, so that's deep sleep. And again, there's lots going on in terms of body repairing itself and so on. If you woke somebody up from deep sleep, they're going to be groggy, disoriented. They're not going to like you very much uh, at all. So there the brain waves, very slow, very relaxed. And then something astonishing happens, which is suddenly, if you look at an EEG trace, a brain wave trace, it almost looks like conscious thought. It looks like the person's woken up. It's a very jagged, not at all relaxed state. And eye movements going from side to side because what's happened is they've come up from that deep sleep very rapidly through light sleep briefly into almost waking state and they're having the first dream of the night. So dreaming very close to waking state. And we're going to talk about dreaming on another episode. And that's the sleep cycle. Light, deep, dreaming, about 90 minutes. And you repeat it again and again through the night. So is it... One complete cycle in 90 minutes. Yes. Or, so you do bits of those, so you do kind of 30 minutes of, of each. Yeah, I mean, well, so it changes throughout the night. So as the night goes on, uh, you so early on, you have a lot of deep sleep and not very much dreaming. But as the night goes on, you get less deep sleep and a lot more dreaming. And so the initial dream on the first sleep cycle, probably only five minutes long. The final dream, the one before you wake up, 40, 45 minutes long. So there's, there's roughly five dreams per night. Uh, they increase in length over the night. And each sleep cycle, about an hour and a half, light, deep dream. OK, so as you said, we're dealing with dreams in another episode. Let's just not talk of dreaming. Let's, I mean, OK. Um, tempting. It's so tempting. Yes. Um, but there's a lot more other stuff going on there and... 
I, do you know what the other bits are for? It sounds like w- your brain is doing life admin for the whole night. Yeah, it's a partly physical repair, sort of tissue repair, muscle, muscle repair and so on, and psychological well-being stuff, and certainly in terms of information. So, so like memories? Memory, um, uh, thinking and, and, and so on. But we all know that if you have a bad night's sleep, you feel groggy in the morning, you're unfocused and, and haven't got much energy... That's because all those things are associated with the the sleep cycle. We have a question now from friend of the show. I'm going to call him that because he's already asked a question. Rob Rinder, criminal barrister and TV personality best known as Judge Rinder. And he's got a question about sleep deprivation. Recently, I've been working on morning telly and I get picked up at 4am in London and then I've been treading the boards in Panto twice a day in Milton Keynes. Um, And to say the least, I've been operating on a minimal amount of sleep. Is there anything I can do to feel better? What's your advice? It's a very good question and a very common one. I mean, lots of people are deprived of sleep at the moment. And the answer is, you've just got to get more sleep. There's no shortcuts. You have to value the night. You have to realise that what happens during the night is vital for being happy and successful and productive during the day. So value it and just figure out a way of getting that all-important sleep. You can't really catch up. You can't really rebound at the weekends and sleep twice as long as you normally would and so on. Realise how important the night is. And instead of trying to minimise that time and push as much into the daytime, celebrate the night and you'll find you're far more productive during the day. Um, Have you got any tips for us on how to get to sleep in the first place? No. Okay, moving on. We've got a question from Jane. (laughs) So getting to sleep, and and we should say that insomnia is obviously a a very serious thing. And if, if you are having proper difficulties with sleep, you know, go and see professionals, go and see your GP and, and so on. But there are a few things that most people can do to improve the chances of falling asleep quite quickly. And one of them is keep away from bright light in about the two hours before they go to bed. Does this include staring at your phone? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you look at... Any other tips? Well, no, no, no. If you look at sleeplessness, we've done various surveys into this, around about 2014, you see this huge rise in people struggling to get to sleep. And that's when smartphones started to come along. And it's the problem is they're really bright. And put one of those on a dark room, you know about it. And second, it's what's called blue light, light towards the blue end of the spectrum, which is actually particularly disruptive uh, to sleep. And the third thing is we're using them as alarm clocks. Yeah. So we're putting them on our bedside table. I'm guilty of this. Middle of the night, you wake up and you think, oh, I'll just check my email or something. Huge amounts of bright light coming in, which then disrupts you for the rest of the night. Uh, the same thing with bathrooms. Lots of people's bathrooms are really brightly lit. So they go in there before they go to bed and they're just bathing themselves in really bright light. So trying to keep those light levels obviously safe, but, but low is, is a very good idea. OK. Victorian candlelight. Well, candles not so great. Okay, yeah, yeah. good point. But yes, but but low light but really is, is good. Shoddy, shoddy light bulbs that uh, don't really well, do a proper job. So there's that. There's also this sense of if you're laying in bed and worrying, and often it's the worry that keeps us awake or just thinking about a problem or so on. One thing you can do is just write the problem on a piece of paper and some potential solutions and just put that on your bedside table. Oh, nice. So you've outsourced it from your brain. Exactly. Don't worry, brain. Yes. It's it's there. Stop thinking about it. And there's nothing worse than... And it could even be just memory. Think, oh, in the morning I have to remember to to do so-and-so. And now that's in your head and you're playing it again and again and again. So again, just writing it down. Very simple idea. Putting it on the bedside table. 
Yeah, you're laughing over there. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just thinking uh, this comes back to the how to organise yourself and this idea that I used to keep everything in my brain right. and uh, now my memory's not as good as it was and I need to write stuff down. That was a good so, idea. Yeah. It's very sensible. Uh, it says that. And there's also the other option, which is filling your brain with something else. And so there's... Sheep. The, sheep. Sheep would be good. That works, right? Well, we don't know because no one's ever tested it. No. No one has ever tested it. It's amazing. They have tested the idea of filling your brain with other things. So you can play the alphabet game where you, you have a come up with a country for A, country for B, country for C, or an animal or a vegetable or whatever it is. Anything that just fills your mind with that. The other thing that works very well is positive imagery. You just think of a rather pleasant scenario, not one that's too exciting, nothing, nothing too racy. Nothing racy, no. okay. Uh, but a very pleasant scenario, and that also influences your dreams as well in a quite positive way. So what you shouldn't be doing is laying there thinking, oh, I've got to remember to, to cancel whatever, papers in the morning or milk or whatever. I don't want to use those two scenarios. No one nowadays has milk delivered or newspapers. It's fine. <laughs> but it's uh, the sleep book's mainly written. Sub subscription to... To, to a, a well-known magazine. Uh, but the reason I came up with those scenarios is most of the sleep books were written in the 80s and 90s when that, they were pressing problems uh, for people. So, uh, so yeah, so, so if you're laying there thinking, oh, I'm going to hope I don't forget that, then, then write it down. And these very simple, again, imagery-based ideas or playing the alphabet game, uh, they can actually have quite a big impact. This is Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind, and we're talking about sleep. Right, now we've got a question from Jane with a about a classic line that her mum used to tell her when she was a teenager. She said, my mum always used to say that when it comes to sleep, an hour before midnight is the same as two hours after midnight. Is there any truth in that? It's about sleep quality, I guess. I don't think so. I mean, we, each person requires a certain amount of sleep and uh, eight hours is often going, but actually people vary massively. Between what and what? Well, uh, you get very short sleepers who, who say, oh, I can survive on four hours sleep. But people say all these sorts of things and, and often they're not very happy and they're not very focused and, 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 and so on. So I know a couple of short sleepers and their problem is that when they're awake, everyone else is asleep. Yes. I know a short sleeper. He's absolutely fine with four hours a night. Mm. Totally fine. The problem is his girlfriend is not a short sleeper. Yes. And so he's up at five in the morning pottering around. And then he's up until, you know, one o'clock in the morning. And, and there's just sort of the end of the day and the beginning of the day that she's not there and he's got to entertain himself. Yes. That's, that's the main problem with it. So they get Lots a lot of done. podcasts. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and then at the other end, you can get, you know, nine, ten hours uh, and so on. And, and actually, the best way of finding out how much sleep you need, you can go camping for a couple of weeks somewhere without artificial light. And, and actually, you get into your natural rhythm at that point, and you'll see uh, how much you, you actually need. So it's not about what time of the evening you fall asleep. Well, that's that's that depends a little bit in terms of sleep quality on whether you're naturally a lark or an owl. So I would say the important thing to answer the question more seriously is there's not a general rule. Follow your body. So it, go to bed when you feel like you should go to... If, you, if, you, if your lifestyle allows this, go to bed when you feel like going to bed and wake up when you feel like waking up. I mean, you say, you say lifestyle, but 
for a teenager, you mean parents, if your parents allow you to stay well, up. If your job allows it. I mean, right. and all this sort of thing. But if you're naturally, as I am, uh, an owl, my family are owls, we come from a long line of owls. Congratulations. It's, it's great. Um, so uh, then then I like to go to bed about you know, midnight would be the earliest I go to bed. And I don't like doing early meetings because I'm barely awake at that that point. And so in terms of sleep quality, that that's the perfect one for me. I, I would struggle to, to, to go to bed at 10 o'clock, for example, where if you're a lark, that's going to be perfect for you. So I, I would say follow your chronotype, as it, it's called, what, what your body is telling you. And, and that's heavily related to sleep quality. Okay, we've had quite a few questions in about what to do when you wake in the middle of the night. Here's one of those questions from Mary. Hi, Richard. I've been wondering what the best way to get back to sleep is when I wake up in the middle of the night. Sometimes I do things like uh, name capital cities or countries that I visited, but I'm wondering whether that's actually stimulating me rather than uh, helping me drift off again. Can you help? Very good question. And very, very common to have those awakenings. In fact, there is an argument when you look at the sleep cycle that it is a night of two halves with very little dreaming in the first half and a lot in the second. And actually there's a moment when sort of naturally you wake up anyway. So so people shouldn't feel too anxious if that happens. It could be part of the natural uh, sort of patterning of of sleep. You know, in the Middle Ages that people used to sleep in two... That's right. ..in those two sections and they'd just get up in the middle. Yeah, they'd play games in the half an hour or go and visit their friends or have sex or something. Presumably not all the same half an hour. I mean, unless they're very lucky. Right, that's right. It's a hell of a game. Uh, So uh, so I did it last night. What? I had... No. (laughs) (laughs) Neighbours are furious. (laughs) Never the lost police are outside right now. <laughs> um, no. So I woke up in uh, the middle of the night last night and I did a terrible thing. It's all right me sitting here going, oh, you keep your phones away from the bedside. I thought, I'll go on eBay. Yeah. And I've, I've been looking for a book on eBay and I found it last night for £13. OK, so congratulations. I bought, yes, I was, I was delighted. It's worth far more than that. Okay. So I bought it on eBay, went back to sleep. Oh, my goodness, I'm so happy. And uh, had some great dreams because I'm so happy. Woke up this morning, checked. I paid £130. Oh, <laughs> I, oh I Richard. <laughs> My eyesight's not great. It was the middle of the night. It was all a bit out of focus. I was very excited. <laughs> Boom, buy that. Buy now, buy it now, Price. Oh. Woke up this morning. I thought, I can't believe we're recording an episode on sleep, <laughs> given what I did last night. £130. It's not worth anything like that. Oh, Probably no. worth £60 maximally. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. I was furious. Well, what's the lesson from that? Hmm? Hmm? Uh, well... Um, uh, I think physician to heal thyself. So, yeah, I think keep your phone away. After that. So what you should do is that if you are... You can do the sorts of things we're talking about. In fact, actually, the, the person spoke about that, kind of playing the alphabet game and, and so on. There's also some lovely research came out of uh, University of Glasgow, which was about paradoxical sleep. So what you do is try and stay awake. You're allowed to blink, but otherwise you have to keep your eyes open. You're not allowed to do anything else. You have to lay there and just stay awake. Okay. It's actually quite tiring staying awake. So when you try and stay awake, you end up falling asleep quicker. So, hang on. Isn't that just falling asleep? What, what's different? You have to try and keep your eyes open and you have to consciously keep your eyes open and try and stay awake. If you feel sleepy, you try and fight it off mentally. And it's what's called paradoxical sleep. You end up falling asleep quicker than when you're just laying there. Oh, that's really nice. That's great. Mm-hmm. 
Um, there was something in the Guardian newspaper last weekend about the longest recorded period of time that someone had been asleep for without waking, and it was eight days. Yeah, you don't want to be doing that. Apparently, hypnosis was involved. Oh, that wonder if that's... Is that cheating? Uh, well, I wonder what's going on there. I wonder if that's the... Late... There, there used to be an old stunt where um, hypnotists would put something into a shop window when they arrived in town and they'd put them into a sleep and then you could go and see them in the window and they were there for days. But I think there was, there was quite a lot going on there, if you know what I mean. It may not entirely have been what it appeared to be. Oh, so it was just all a, a gimmick? I cannot say. Uh, so What happens... Sorry, what happens to your bladder... If you're a sort of I do what happens to my bladder. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, yes, that's good. But the other thing is, is, is if you wake up in the middle of the night, what you don't be doing is associating the bed with sleeplessness. So what you can do is get up and for about 20 minutes do something that's quietening, like those adult colouring books or a jigsaw. Give it about 20 minutes, go back to bed. And if you're still awake another 15, 20 minutes later, get up and do it again. Okay. And that starts to actually make you quite tired. But the really good thing is you don't associate the bed with being awake and being anxious. And people genuinely do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite common. So you just That's find so some... weird. I blame me rather than the bed. Well, no, it's the association. They, they start to think, oh, when I lay in bed, then now this is time. That, that, okay. That's right. So it's like a Pavlovian thing. Uh, so, so the getting up, doing something... Uh, as I say, jigsaw, adult colouring in, but one of those sorts of things. Can you do something useful or does it have well, to be Well, no, you want to do something quite calming. Okay. Yeah, you don't want to be, I don't know, attending a rave, for example. <laughs> I mean, that sounds slightly more fun than colouring in. It, it does. Oh, I quite like I'm now trying to recover from saying cancelling newspapers and milk by doing something that young people do, apparently, which is attend a rave. Attend? Attend a rave. one of those raves. One of those rave things. You don't want to do that if you're trying to get to sleep. So, um, so that's, that's quite a good thing to do. So the paradox. I was telegrammed and told about the <laughs> rave that was happening. <laughs> Simply marvellous. Okay, uh, we're getting off track. We've got a thousand questions to we get have. through. Um, let's go for another one. Um, napping. Yes. Napping seems to be a bone of contention. Oh, my goodness, I Is nap. napping good for you? Yes. Yes. Okay, around about well, one, one for most people, around about um, one o'clock in the afternoon, two o'clock, something like that. Well, so. It, it's good for you, but yeah. here's a question from Tom. Are naps all that useful and how long should they be? Half the time I feel sluggish when I wake up instead yeah. of refreshed. Yeah, that, that means that they're napping too long. So you want to nap for about 20 minutes. Any longer than that and you can get into the deeper sleep, which is exactly as I said before, that if you're waking up from that, you're going to feel pretty awful. And also any longer than that and you start to disrupt the evening's sleep. So you want 20 minutes. So when I was interviewing uh, people at uh, sleep labs, they had an interesting little tip, which is to do the coffee nap, What's which is you drink nap? some coffee yep. before you have your nap. It takes you about 20 minutes to get into the bloodstream. And so you wake up 20 minutes later, particularly focused. Oh, that's clever. It's very good. Oh, that's really So about clever. a 20-minute nap. Loads of evidence showing that that increases your focus, your memory, your motivation uh, in terms of health, uh, it lowers the, the blood pressure, uh, risk of heart attack and so on. So we should be napping. And in fact, organisations should be encouraging their employees uh, to nap as well. I th I've been saying to, uh, I mean, every employer I've ever had that there should be hammocks and nap rooms and yeah. and the like. Uh, it's, it's not generally popular with HR. Well, no, and also... 
because there's a bit of an epidemic of sleeplessness, people are not sleeping properly at night. So if there's a chance to sleep during the day, they're going into those rooms. You can't get them out. It's not 20 minutes. They're in there like three hours, which which does impact on productivity. But yeah, absolutely. Try and spend... I, I nap almost every single day. Wow. Do you have a nap time? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I can feel it coming on around about one o'clock. Right. <laughs> Quick. Uh, so, Tom... That's it. Naps are good. Uh, you just need to do them right. And yeah, no, sounds you, like he's napping too long. Yeah, you want to keep in light sleep. So that that twenty minutes uh, that you, d- you definitely don't want to go into uh, deep sleep. And and if you went to ninety minutes, be a full sleep cycle. Then you're going to be knocking that off the sleep time in the evening. Okay. Another question ticked off. George, one of our listeners, wants to know. You've really picked up the pace now. Well, I'm trying to get through them all so that you can have your nap on time. <laughs> George, one of our listeners, wants to know why, when we're overtired, does it become harder to get to sleep? Oh, because you probably missed the, the, that period. So if you imagine the sleep cycle, it, it, it hits in at a certain point when you're tired. Now, if you miss that point, the, the whole physiology is screwed up. So, yeah, there's certainly a window of time when you should be listening to your body and trying to fall asleep. There's, there's no doubt about that. So, again, with all these things, how much do you sleep, when do you sleep, you know, nap, listen to your body. It's, it's quite personal to you. Is that why young children are so bad at going to sleep and, and they start sort of getting crazy awake just before sleep time because they're overtired is, is what I've been told by parents. Yeah, I mean, the thing with children is often that kind of sleep cycle isn't fully set yet. So it's it's difficult with uh, with kids, particularly young kids. But no, with adults, if if you feel that you're getting tired, get to bed. What you can do is, in terms of determining when you get to bed, if you know when you want to wake up, you can count back in 90-minute blocks. And that tells you when you should be falling asleep. And that means you'll get an, uh, the right number of sleep cycles in there. Because you think about an alarm clock, it's, it's disturbing you. It's disturbing your sleep cycle. And so there are sort of terrible inventions in a way. You want to be waking up at the end of a sleep cycle. An alarm clock is often waking you up, you know, during dreaming or worse still, during deep sleep. So counting back in those 90-minute blocks is helpful. And then you go to bed about 20 minutes before you need to be asleep because that's how long it takes you to drift off. If if your head is hitting the pillow and you're asleep within a few minutes, you're overtired. Can you curate your bedroom in a way that helps you fall asleep? I mean, you've mentioned lighting. You need to have low lighting. Dark, quiet is good. There is a theory, and I don't think there's much evidence for this, but I do like the theory, that you should face the door in, in your in your bed. You shouldn't have your back, as it were, to the, the door. Because that's a sort of evolutionary thing where you feel vulnerable. If somebody came into the room, you wouldn't hear them or see them. Okay. So there's a kind of positioning of the bed so it faces the door. I don't think there's any research actually testing that, but it's quite a nice idea. Well, there's one for you. Right, uh, what have we, because you've got your nap coming up, Yes. so uh, what, what can we summarise about well, sleep? Well, um, if you suffer from insomnia, it's serious. Go and see um, a, a specialist. Uh, for everybody else, in terms of the tips we're talking about, we're talking about paradoxical sleep, trying to stay awake. We're talking about avoiding blue light. We're talking about positive imagery. We're talking about playing the alphabet game. We're talking about if you do wake up in the middle of the night, getting up and doing something for a few minutes, coming back to bed, so you don't associate a bed with staying awake. Those are our our top tips. Thank you very much. Go and have a nap now. 
From Podimo and Telltale, this has been Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind. Hosted by Professor Richard Wiseman and Marnie Chesterton. Our producer is Kate White. The executive producers for Podimo are Jake Chudno and Matt White. And for Telltale are Rami Sabar and Jago Lee. And if you like this podcast, tell your friends. Leave us a review. If you don't like it, tell your friends you did. Why should you be the only ones to suffer? Although it does help others find us. And don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at WisemanPod. Where we'll be regularly asking you for questions for future episodes. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.